Hey, everybody. We're back with the Grace in the Gray podcast, where we use the black and white of scripture to speak truth into the gray areas of culture. Today, we are welcoming back Jordan. Hi. I thought you'd be a little more excited than that. I am. It's good to be back. I missed you guys. (laughs) And then now for the second time, we have Kevin. Suitable replacement. I was about to say, Rick, you look different. (laughs) (laughs) And then we are joined by a very special guest this morning, Miss Terry Lee. Hi, Miss Terry. Good morning. Good morning. And just a little background about Terry Lee. She is um, Pastor Philip's wife. Pastor Philip is the senior pastor at Cedar Creek Church. She is a nurse and a mother of five. She has 35 years of clinical bedside nursing experience. And then, of course, the experience that she has serving alongside Pastor Philip, helping the lost, broken, and hurting people find their way back to God. So um, in the past couple of years, Ms. Terry, you have started a nonprofit, Overflow Foundation. Do you want to tell us a little about that? Absolutely. Um, uh, our family went through a very difficult time with our oldest son, Philip Jr., um, Philip was diagnosed, dual diagnosed with bipolar disorder, which is a mental illness, um, and also with substance use disorder, with alcohol dependence. And um, after a very successful time in rehabilitation, um, Philip succumbed to severe depression and died by suicide in September of 2018. And so out of great, great, great catastrophic pain, now becomes great, great, great purpose. And so I'm thankful that God can use our pain and difficulty to be able to bring um, beauty from ashes. And so I think Philip would be proud of this work. And everything that we do, we try to bring hope to people who are struggling, um, point them to the reason for our hope and our relationship with Jesus, and just try to help them take their next step towards greater health, both mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, um, all of that, um, just help people continue to take their next step. And that's what we want this conversation to be about today. It's kind of a continuation of our, our episode two weeks ago with Kevin um, that mostly focused on alcohol, but there are many different substances that we can use um, for various reasons. And so I kind of want to start the conversation that way. Um, Kevin or Terry, do you feel like alcohol and drugs kind of fall in that same bucket where we sometimes use those to maybe self-medicate, things like that. I mean, I absolutely do. Um, We use a lot of different things to self-medicate when we're struggling with things, anxiety, depression, just the stress of life. Okay, We all deal with stresses and pressure of life. And so we all um, have a tendency to vent the pressure cooker in different ways, right? And so sometimes we can do that in very healthy ways. And sometimes then it can lean a little bit towards the unhealthy side, whether we're using alcohol, prescription drugs, illicit drugs, food, nicotine, um, Excessive exercise, believe it or not, can even be a form of self-harm, according to the National Council for Mental Well-Being. And that's one that I'll never be accused of personally. (laughs) Same. But we're talking excessive, excessive exercise, you know, to where that's the only thing the person focuses on. And we're talking about running multiple marathons a week or, you know, 
Um, and so, so some sometimes the things that we would not even normally think of as being n- not such a great um, self help resource or self care resource um, could lean into that. And I think um, as we kind of individually put the light on ourselves in our own life and really um, think about, okay, how do I cope with stressors? Um, then we may be able to look at that realistically or even have conversations with someone who's really close to us in a great relationship and invite them to speak into your, to our lives and say, how do you see me kind of dealing with stuff right now? You know, speak truth to me and help me maybe see my blind spots. We all need people in our life that we allow um, to speak that truth into our lives so that we can take the next step. I think that's a great point. And if you are aware of a situation that you're going through or aware of a problem you might have, definitely you can ask for someone to identify those blind spots. But what if we flip the script and we talk about you're the friend seeing someone struggle? How do you start that conversation? Where do you, what tools or, I mean, you know, you you could send them a podcast, but how well will that be received? How do you start the conversation? Well, um, I think the first thing I would really, really emphasize um, is to do it in a non-inflammatory way um, and in a non-judgmental way um, and approaching it first from the from the vantage point of having a relationship with that person. We, we can't speak really personal stuff into the lives of people that we don't already have a great relationship with, and so we want to be careful about that. Um, but I think really noticing... Uh, knowing the people and knowing their tendencies and kind of their personality and stuff. And then if we notice something that is skewed or is this really outside the norm for these individuals, and that's maybe a warning sign. And so just coming along that's alongside that person and saying, hey, man, I'm noticing, you know, we usually go for coffee every Thursday and you haven't joined us in a while or you're not texting back or you're not picking up your phone. I'm concerned about you. Is there anything you want to talk about? And just leaving it as an open-ended kind of sentence, I'm concerned about you, I care about you, um, cracks the door um, to have it being able to have that conversation. Now, I will segue with, with saying that what if the person doesn't want to talk? What if they shut you down and you know you feel like Oop, you've just stepped in a pile of poop or whatever, this was the wrong time to say this? Leave the door open. It's not about you. And so continue to gain their trust, follow up with them with a text or even better, a phone call so they can hear a voice or and to let them know, hey, I just want to let you know I'm praying for you and I am here. If you do want to talk, just know I'm here. And so continue to keep that door cracked because the first offer may not always be the time that they want to step through the door and talk. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think something that you alluded to that I found because I think sometimes it's easier outside looking in to be able to see, like if I'm looking at Kevin or if I'm looking at Sam, it's easier outside looking in to say, well, hey, here's the issue. Like, just stop doing that thing, right? But I think sometimes we have to be patient, like you said, but I think the greatest thing that we could have is just a presence, like a consistent presence where we're just there. Because I know by nature, I just want to get to the root of the issue, But I think sometimes the greatest thing that we can have over time is a presence where we're gaining trust. We're gaining, hey, this person cares about me. They love me. They're here for me. Even, and I know I've been shut off. They're still here. 
Um, and I think ultimately that's what Jesus does for us because there's obviously evidences of his grace, whether we rouse him or not. Sometimes we take him, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we take him right away. Sometimes it takes us years and years, but he's still there. He's still consistent. And I think for us, that's super important just to be that presence, even if someone's shut off, just to show we truly love and care about them in the way that Jesus does. And then we also kind of want to highlight the the reasons why behind someone may be doing this. Um, Kevin, maybe you want to speak to this a little bit. Um, how do you start? How would you start that conversation with someone? Well, let me say first, um, part of overflow and what Terry does over what a thousand people you've certified now. Um, part of what overflow does is a mental health first aid training. And I would encourage everybody out there, if you haven't taken the class, um, whether it be with Terry or, or otherwise, um, I did. And it is, it's like a whole new world, like realizing all the issues. It's one in five um, right now have a diagnosable mental health disorder. That's, I mean, that's my house, soon to be. And it's terrifying um, when you, the numbers as to how many people are, are struggling, right? And so the part of what I learned there and what I've learned through Overflow and through Terry's work has been the difference between being codependent and being supportive and being there, but not supporting and not being codependent, right? I think though that is the hard line. How do you support someone without going over the top supporting them, and and you're allowing making it worse? Right, yeah. you're you're encouraging it without knowing it. Um, and I've I've been a part of that. I've uh, and this was prior to my involvement with Overflow, um, and and I've done the wrong all the wrong things in the past, um, which was still love on them and act like it's not happening, right? And I think that is where we've got to. There's a fine line between supporting someone and being codependent, right, Terry? I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where that line is, honestly. I, I don't. I think it's an individual. depends on your relationship. Yeah, I can't go up to some random guy on the street and, and act like I've known him forever and expect him to take my advice mm-hmm. and expect him to. Um, and everybody's different. Um, rock bottom is a place that is a... It's a scary, awful place if you can avoid hitting rock bottom. But oftentimes we see that being the time when people are ready to listen. Mm -hmm. And then they remember who cracked the door with the text message or the phone call. Absolutely. You know, you raise a good point with how do you walk that line with codependency, assisting but not enabling kind of thing. And so one of the things that... Uh, Philip, my husband, and I kept saying to each other is, we will walk with Philip Jr. We cannot walk for him. And so when we put it into that context, I think it helped us see the posture that we needed to maintain and the posture that a lot of us can maintain with people who are coming alongside individuals that may be struggling with a substance use disorder. Um, It it is a tightrope. And Individuals who are struggling with a substance use disorder already are inundated with so much guilt and shame. I mean, when we read Philip's journal, it is throughout his journal, the amount um, of guilt and shame that he dealt with for not um, realizing he had an issue, but not addressing it sooner and just 
all of the feelings of failure and everything that he felt because of because of things that are going on in his life. And so um, that's not what we need to grind in. They, those individuals already know that. Um, so being supportive, being loving, um, no, you know, taking the mental health first aid class is fantastic because it help does help individuals understand some of the resources out there. And so when we know resources, um, then that gives us extra tools in our tool belt to assist people who are struggling. If we don't know any of the resources or where to send folks, we're kind of like, I, dude, I, I want you to do better and I'm here for you. Um, but That they, was me. Yeah. In the past, that was mm-hmm. me. It's like, I don't know what to do. I wish you'd get better. But, yeah. I, you know, yeah. um, and it gives them hope by just having resources, whether it be just uh, in the class. It really I'm not we're not this isn't a pitch for the class by any means, um, because it's not like we're, it's a it's a nonprofit. <laughs> so it's not a pitch for the class, but it is just those numbers in and of itself. They tell you the the prevalence of the issues. Right. And so it's something we should all have some sense of what help is there for us around here. What are. What are things I don't have to go because it's so hard. the The medical side of this is a whole different podcast, right? <laughs> I yeah. mean, from the standpoint of the availability of 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 help um, and how hard it can be to get in um, to an actual facility to get the help you need. What are other options? And just any bit of hope to tell uh, for that person. I've been on both sides of this, unfortunately. Um, but hope is huge in it that I'm not, and we t- we talked about this last time um, with Rick. I am not. Um, I do not identify as whatever my sin is, and understanding the full gospel message, which is that that is the gospel message. We are all going to have, and, and the shame and the guilt and all those things that separate you from having the ability to to live a, a as a Christ follower. Right? And it's it's not about the issue. It's not about the substance. And that's what took me so long to realize was the substance itself took over. And it you could not separate yourself from the substance enough to get to Christ. Does that make sense? And now it's you're with Christ. And that that's the message is you're with Christ. And you're going to if you've got the substance abuse issues, if you've got whatever it is, it doesn't mean you're not with Christ. Mm-hmm. Right. He is there with you through it and understand that is the hope, right? That is the ultimate hope. Yes, the self-help side of it. Yes, there's all the different things which are real and valuable. Um, But for me, the understanding and really, I guess, grasping the gospel message for the first time. You hear it all the time, but when you see it playing out in your life and you accept the fact, and that's really all it is, it's accepting, right, That, that... I I am I am a Christian. I do believe in Christ. I do have these issues, um, but I'm not. It doesn't separate me from Him. And if anything, it gives you the power to say, "Heck with this." I'm I'm looking up, right? And I think without Christ involved in in these recoveries, it's it's it makes it that much harder, almost impossible, because you're really not able to really get back to where you were. And it's, it can be simple. That's the thing. It's not. The process is hard, but understanding and accepting Christ in those with with your substance abuse issues is step one in my mind. It was for me because that gives you the ability to say, "Heck with that! I, that is not it's not controlling me. I may struggle with it. Yeah, I'll still struggle with it, 
But I think, and all that's so in our heads, right? Mm -hmm. And I think we tell ourselves these lies all the time. Um, I read a book. um, Actually, Rick, don't tell on me. Um, I listen to it because I don't like to read. Um, But it's it is winning the war in your mind, and it's from a spiritual side of things. But he said, um, "A lie believed to be true is your truth." And if you really think of that, was me. That is so many people. We lie to ourselves, and then that is our truth, and it's a lie, but it is true to us, right? And that's how it plays out as truth, and that's what I think we're trying to through overflow and through through the church. trying to help people understand the lies are, are that's not the truth not the truth it's not the truth and i think another thing cuz again it is going to it's going to start sounding like a pitch for the class cuz i also took the class but one I was thing with you in the class yeah that's right yeah forgot about that I was making you pay attention in the back that's right yeah he did a great job it was not a distraction <laughs> at all um i think i think something it allowed me to do because if we look at the ministry of jesus and we break it down for all that it is, he had more questions than he had answers. The way that he got to the heart of people's issues wasn't by, hey, I'm going to give you this statement and that's going to be the fit. Like he asked questions. He asked way more questions than he gave answers. And so I think the asset of that class and the tools that it gives for me is it allowed me to know the right things to ask to get, because we live in a culture now where it's really easy to have surface level conversations. The majority of my conversations most of the time is, hey man, how are you? Doing good. How are you? Good. That's it. And then we just walk away. Or we start talking about the game last night or something like that, right? Um, but but I think what it allows us to do in the same way of Christ, regardless if if it's somebody who is struggling or not, it just it it's a reminder for me to regularly, regardless of if they're signs or not, it is a reminder for me to regularly dig deeper and ask deeper questions. Um, I think an analogy I use a lot because it's 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 allowed me to do what I'm talking about is growing up, which is going to come as a shock. I'm not very good with my hands and like doing like hard manual labor. I know I it's a shock for, for the a people second. that believe me or that know me. Um, so one of those things I had to do growing up was yard work, and we always had to do it. Grew up in Columbia, always in the summer, so it's like 100 degrees outside, but it feels like 130 degrees outside with the humidity. But one of the things I actually hated the most was pulling weeds. And so an idea I had when I was like in middle school was I could just take my lawnmower and cut over the weeds so I don't have to take hours on end and pull it up, right? But what's the issue of me doing that? I never got to the root, right? And so I think a lot of times we have things, whether it's conversations, whether it's trying to help somebody with something, whether it's us trying to help ourselves with something we're trying to go through, and we just simply cut over that weed. But we never dig deeper and we never ask questions, which I love that we're talking about this because this is something I'm super passionate about is asking the why questions, getting as deep as we possibly can. What am I actually searching after? What am I desiring after? by doing this thing, by going to this person, by going to this substance. Yeah, I mean, you've, hold on, sorry, but that's no, twofold. Good. It's both helping somebody, why, right? But internally asking yourself yeah. those questions. And I think that's that's the key. It starts there, right? If you're struggling, is that why 
personally. And it's, it's not because that's what God created you to do. It's not because that's who you are. It's not because you, that you're, that is, that is, I can tell you 100%. That's not true, you know? Um, but ask, starting there and realizing, okay. And, and one of the things I used to do is, yeah, but I'm not as bad as Joe Blow over here. I, I, it could be a lot worse. And those, there's so many excuses. There's so many things that you can go through. But if you really are, are willing, it's scary as hell to come and ask yourself that question. It's scarier than asking somebody else. Yeah, and, and it I think really is. It's one of those where it, it causes us to to be real. I mean, I just preached on this a couple of weeks ago. It, it causes us, and it it's hard, and it sucks, and it's messy. But it causes us to say, "I'm going to be real with myself because I have a limited life here on Earth, and I have a limited time on this Earth with the people that I have a relationship with. I'm going to be real with myself. I'm going to be real with other people." Um, and, and even something you alluded to too is like, I think for us, the gospel—if we've grown up in church—the gospel is something that we know. But something you just said is it wasn't real to you until you realized you needed it, until you hit that spot. And I think for a lot of us, like I see that in student ministry all the time. If I ask students, hey, what is the gospel? They can say it to me, but the way that they live their life and the way they expound on it, they don't really feel like they need it because they've never really done Like, obviously, they've done things because we're all sinners, but they haven't done something that's like astronomically like had a substance abuse, you know, like mm-hmm. had a substance they're attached to or gotten arrested. You know what I mean? Like those types of things, whatever it is. Um, but I don't think the gospel becomes real until we have a need, like the grace is real and we need it. Yeah. If that makes sense. Um, and I think, I think for me in my own personal walk right now, it's been really cool because I've been reading through first and second Corinthians and it constantly, He's talking about his actions and his freedom at Paul is talking about his action and his freedom as a follower of Christ and how he has freedom. And we've talked about this a number of times with the topics we've talked about. But the statement he says is everything is permissible, but everything's not beneficial. Um, and, And that statement alone, like we can do a lot of the things that we're talking about. But at the end of the day, if we really dig deep, is it the best thing for us to do? Um, am I like going deeper in questions? So questions I constantly ask myself and ask other people is what you're doing, regardless of what it is, is what you're doing. Is this honoring to the Lord? Like what you're doing, God calls us to glorify him in everything that we do, whether we eat, drink, whatever we do to glorify him. Is it glorifying to him? Um, are you feeling a void? Is there, is there an emptiness that you have that you're feeling? Paul talks about that constantly. Is this, and this is a big one that's really hard, especially in the in the conversation you guys had last week, and a number of the different things that we struggle with is, am I being considerate of other people around me, right? Like, I may not have a conviction when it comes to drinking, but hey, Kevin has struggled with that in the past, or let's just say my parent, my parents have issue with, with drinking, and, you know, I would, I, they're not going to listen to this, so I can talk about them, but they would probably be in the camp of, well, you're going to hell if you even have a red solo cup in your hand, which this is a Circle K uh, <laughs> coffee cup. But am I being, okay, this is listen. A mimosa. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, but thinking about that, though, like if I'm on a beach trip and I'm like, hey, I'm at the beach, like I'm going to relax. I'm going to have something. 
am I being like, am I going to have the mindset of, well, I don't care what mom and dad have to say. I can do what I want. Or am I going to say, hey, am I going to be mindful of them? Maybe I'll still do it. But am I being mindful of their convictions and am I causing them to struggle and to fall into sin that doesn't necessarily need to happen and could be a result of something that I can say all that to say is that was a lot. But all that to say is we just got to get freaking real with people, man. Like that that's the issue. And that was one of my biggest takeaways with COVID is it just I mean, man, just the issues that people had pre-COVID just and you've you've seen this more than anybody probably it it just rose more and more and we just threw kerosene on the fire and it just got worse and worse and it just shows that need that even though on the surface someone seems okay we got to dig deeper and see what's really going on not in a nosy way but in a loving caring way um that ultimately shows Christ to them I think it's cool that you brought up um, your own personal convictions, how you feel in certain situations. Are you enabling or affirming someone's behavior? And so I just want to read Mark 2, 16. And this is um, about Jesus. So when the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? So I think as Christians, um, we covered a lot earlier, maybe for the non-believer. You can do a lot. Even if you don't know Jesus yet, if you don't have a walk with Him, you can do so much by offering the support and equipping your tool belt with all these resources. But as the Christ follower, you have to be mindful of the situations you put yourself in. You know, you may go to a party. You may go to a bar. Um that choice, first off, is, you know, am I walking into a situation where I can control myself and honor Jesus? Can I just have one drink? Is that okay? And am I personally convicted and one drink is fine or three drinks is fine? And or am I tempted to overdo it and end up doing something that that doesn't glorify God? Um, but putting yourself in those situations with the missional mindset, okay? You said it at the last episode, Kevin, you said, you know, you could make it through the golf tournament without a drink, and that was a big test for you, but that was the most fun you had. And then you had the opportunity to be an example to everyone else there. Um, So maybe it's at the golf tournament, or maybe it's the morning after a party, and your friends have overdone it, and you're helping them recover the next morning, and they look at you and think, "What? why why do you not feel like this? Why did you not do what I did? And then you have the opportunity to share where your hope comes from. And so um, with that, I think that this has been another great conversation. Um, We talked about a lot of resources that we're going to point you to in the show notes. Um, Of course, Overflow Foundation and the Mental Health First Aid class. Um, And then some other resources that we have at Cedar Creek Church um, that we would love to connect you with. So thank you all for the amazing conversation today. And we'll be back in two weeks. 